time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, September 25th, 2020. Thank you for joining us today or whenever you're listening and happy Friday to everybody out there, whether you're listening early in the morning or late at night, or maybe even over the weekend, maybe you're in the middle of the weekend and you tune us on, who knows, but thank you so much for uh, joining us. And you know what? We got a great guest on the program today. Uh, Monica Bajorquez, one of the best female athletes at Rio Hondo Prep has ever seen. Uh, four years on the varsity in three different sports and a two-time CIF volleyball champion. She was on the teams that uh, won the first two volleyball championships at Rio Hondo Prep. So a lot of fun catching up with her. She was one grade uh, younger than me and her and her twin brother, Maynard Bohorquez, were in that class. I had the opportunity to play a lot of sports with Maynard over the years in high school. And, uh, you know, the, the Bohorquez family, just very special people. Um, the, the two of them, and then of course their parents, just very kind people. And uh, it was great catching up with Monica. It had been a long time. Uh, Monica's also a or I should say she is a uh, an, an ER nurse, an ER trauma nurse. So we're going to talk about her career path after high school and kind of what took her down that road and kind of what, I don't know, what what keeps her um, so, so uh, interested in this line of work. She's very passionate about the work she does as an ER nurse. And it definitely takes a certain mindset to be involved in so many of these things that uh, she sees every day. So she'll tell us all about that, the adrenaline of, of working really in, in that atmosphere. Uh, just, a, just a good story about where she's gone after high school and uh, what she's doing these days. So again, great catching up with Monica. Looking forward to you guys hearing this episode. I think it's a really good way to uh, take us uh, into the weekend, around third, home safe, and uh, you know, just, just fun catching up with, with someone once again here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Well, guys, today is Friday, so we always have a uh, suds with studs segment that we do. Uh, we talk about heroes. We talk about law enforcement, military people who have showed tremendous heroism, courage. Um, you know, we've talked about a lot of different people here the past few months on Fridays in our suds with studs segment, and we call it that. It may be a little corny, but I'm proud of it still. Suds with studs because these are people that. If it were at all possible, we would love to sit down and have a beer with, and not just by the first round, but all the rounds. Most of the people we talk about were individuals who either lost their lives uh, as a result of their heroic acts, or um, you know, some of them are just uh, old age from World War II, from the Civil War. Just you know, it all catches up to all of us at one point. But uh, again, uh, we like talking about these individuals just to just to really get the get things in motion, really encourage you guys to listen to these names, uh, look them up, spend a couple minutes reading about them, watching a video about them, and just kind of pay tribute to to their heroism and, and amazing things they've done. And I think in, in with current events and everything, I think it's really, um, I think it's a good thing that we kind of look back and, and really pay tribute or tr- tribute to a lot of these people who've done some amazing things. So I encourage you all to uh, look up information on today's 
uh, Suds with Stud uh, person we're going to talk about, and uh, we'll get to that here shortly after a few other words, uh, and uh, we'll do that right before our interview with Monica Bajorquez. Well, guys, you know it's been a crazy few months, and especially in recent days here, there's all kinds of you know riots and things going on in Louisville. Uh, police officers are being attacked, and you know it's a it's a tragic time, really. And and there's more to it. There's more to it than uh, just some of these you know simple simple issues at hand. But but I do say that it is disappointing that this world uh, we're living in, in in America is it's just so it's so violent, it's so divided. And uh, you know I pray every day and try to talk to you guys uh, almost every day about these things, just to try to get some things off my chest. And I don't know where everybody stands, but. You know, for me, I just, I, I wish we could, we could get along. I don't think that's going to happen necessarily, but uh, my prayers are for everyone out there who's in harm's way and just stay safe guys. I mean, it's get home safe is our, our title of our podcast. And we, we say that for a reason, but you know, to everyone out there in, in harm's way or kind of suffering from some of the darkness that's been going on these past few months, you know, our, our hearts are with you thoughts and prayers for sure. Um, I'm not going to talk too long today uh, because we do have the suds with studs segment, but I do want to say this and moving forward, um, I am actually going to be a little more busy these next, uh, next few weeks and in moving forward, hopefully months and years. Um, for those that, uh, are not aware, I did start or am starting a new job. I started on Thursday and, uh, something I'm, I'm pretty excited about and hopefully it doesn't you know, <laughs> fall, fall through or anything, or, you know, the, the door doesn't, the, uh, what is the saying? I don't know. The, uh, the ground doesn't fall out beneath me or something and it, it doesn't, uh, doesn't work out or anything, but I'm excited about it. It's a, definitely a new chapter in my life. So I'm not super positive about how much time I'm going to have for this podcast and moving forward. I do want to say that it's been an absolute blessing in talking to so many different people over a hundred interviews. Uh, we're well into the hundred and 30 episodes here and it's just been great. I really enjoy my Wednesday conversations with Bill Barnes every week and just so many different people, whether it be real hondo prep uh, friends, whether it be uh, sports officials who who I've kind of crossed paths with in my career, just so many different people, too many people to thank individually. Um, But I do want to say this is not the end of the show. This is not the end of the road. I promise to you guys that we are going to continue to put out episodes on the Get Home Safe podcast. Um, I don't know that they're going to be every single day. It's been great doing this show Monday through Friday. I'm going to try to continue to do that, but I don't know with the job and everything how it's going to work out. It will probably be a little more challenging to find time to do interviews with people, but I do want to try to put together a few interviews um, to have people on still, but I have a feeling that just with time restraints and everything that it will probably be uh, less shows during the week. I'm just brainstorming right now. I think that off the top of my head, I'll probably do something like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Those are kind of my thoughts. I can promise you this. My goal is to absolutely keep our weekly Wednesday weigh-in segment with Bill Barnes. So that will not be going away. I enjoy talking with Bill, and I think there's a lot of fans out there who enjoy that episode every Wednesday. And as for me, I'm thinking right now that probably Mondays will be kind of a recap of the sports weekend, kind of my opinions on some things. So there may not be a guest there. There might be a guest there. Who knows? And then Fridays are thinking kind of when I'll have a guest on uh, the long form like we've been doing. Uh, Anyone who's listened to this program over over the past few months knows that I've had ideas 
tried them and then said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. So just stay tuned. Uh, as of right now, we will have a show on Monday. I actually have an interview set up already and I've already had it done. So that much I promise you there. And in moving forward, I also think for you listeners who love listening to the show early mornings, uh, that could change a little bit. Typically, I have been uh, recording an episode the day before, the night before, afternoon before. I get everything lined up, I finish it, and then I publish it for the next morning at 5 a.m. So for a lot of people who wake up or working out or going to work, uh, that's when a lot of listenership happens. Okay, unfortunately, with some of these changes that could be coming up, I'm thinking I may be actually doing kind of most of my prep and recordings in the morning and then posting kind of like noon or so. Again, I'm brainstorming. Nothing is set in stone yet, but a lot of my work schedule now is going to be starting in the afternoon and going into the late evening. So that's why kind of doing it like I was doing it before may not work. And who knows? Maybe it will work. Maybe I can do something in the morning and post it for the next morning. I don't know. I'm brainstorming. I'm just giving you guys some heads up of some real possible scenarios here for the podcast in moving forward. I love doing this. This has uh, been such a thrill for me to have conversations and also uh, give my two cents on current events, throw out some analogies, random thoughts. I want to continue to do those things. And for those of you who've been on the podcast before, thank you for really making things uh, go a little more smooth, <laughs> smoothly. And I, I look forward to really reaching out to a few of you and getting you guys back on the program. Maybe talk about, hey, what are your thoughts on sports over the weekend? Or, or hey, what's going on? You know, current events with the uh, different holidays or I don't know, just I'm, I'm brainstorming again. So uh, stay tuned out there for people who have listened to the podcast before. For people who have come on the podcast before, I might be asking uh, more people to come back on uh, in going forward because I'm not sure if we're going to have a Monday through Friday show anymore, but maybe we will. Maybe we will. I do want to at least do three days. So those are some goals. Those are some ideas. Uh, just stay tuned. Doing our interviews through Zoom has been a game changer. It's so much easier to get someone to do a Zoom rather than say, hey, download this app and then we're going to record and then cut it off. And th No, so much easier to do a Zoom call face-to-face -face conversation and uh, to, to just really, uh, it's been such a, a cleaner product, I'll say. So those are that's some news, guys, for the upcoming uh, episodes of the show. Just work with me, bear with me. We're going to continue to put out uh, stuff on social media, promoting the show and upcoming guests and everything. Um, but there could be some changes here, some changes in the living arrangements, as Bill and I, Bill Barnes and I like to say sometimes. So anyway, let's not uh, ramble anymore. Uh, thank you all for joining us. It's going to be a great show. Let's get into our segment with uh, Suds with Studs right now. And then immediately after that, we will get right to the interview with Monica Bohorquez. <music> Well, guys, it's Friday, and we've been doing a segment every Friday called Suds with Studs, and we're going to be doing that again today. Uh, we were suggested this name actually by a friend of mine, a football official, Craig Teeter, uh, mentioned this name as he was kind of driving down to San Diego. He always sees a sign on the highway uh, that is dedicated to today's uh, person we are going to talk about. And I got to tell you, if you guys have seen the movie or let's see, not the it's a mini series really, but seen the mini series, the Pacific, uh, this person's story is told 
uh, briefly as part of that 10-part miniseries that HBO did years ago. And the Pacific was done... Basically, it was very similar to Band of Brothers, which was very famous. And the Pacific obviously focused on the uh, Pacific front, really fighting uh, on the various islands and such. So uh, just an amazing story, amazing person we're going to talk about today. And guys, we call it Suds with Studs, of course, because these are people that we would love to sit down and have a beer with, uh, even if it weren't possible. We know most of these people have passed on and, uh, you know, we would definitely be buying not just the first round, but all the rounds. Just amazing people we talk about on Fridays. Just for a brief segment, I encourage you guys to look up more information on these people. There's plenty of videos on YouTube with a lot of these names. So I encourage you, please take five, ten minutes, uh, however long you'd like, and, and just uh, look up some information on these people. Today we're going to be talking about a World War II veteran, John Bassalone. Uh, his last name is spelled B A S I. L-O-N-E, John Bassalone. Uh, John Bassalone was a United States Marine Corps gunnery sergeant who received the Medal of Honor for Heroism above and beyond the call of duty during the battle for Henderson Field in the Guadalcanal campaign and the Navy Cross posthumously for extraordinary heroism during the Battle of Iwo Jima. He was the only enlisted Marine to receive both of these decorations in World War II. Uh, Mr. Bassalone was born in 1916 in Buffalo, New York. Uh, and we're going to tell his story here a little bit. Uh, just some information, again, about uh, kind of his background. Uh, Mr. Bassalone enlisted in the United States Army in July of 1934 and completed his three-year enlistment with service in the Philippines where he was a champion boxer. In the Army, Bassalone was initially assigned to the 16th Infantry at Fort J before being discharged for a day, re-enlisting and being assigned to the 31st Infantry. After he was released from active duty, Bassalone returned home and worked as a truck driver in Reisterstown, Maryland. After driving trucks for a few years, he wanted to go back to Manila and believed he could get there faster by serving in the Marines rather than in the Army. Bassalone enlisted in the Marines in 1940 from Baltimore, Maryland. He went to recruit training at Marine Corps Recruit Depot, Paris Island, followed by training at Marine Corps Base Quantico and New River. The Marines sent him into Guantanamo Bay, Cuba for his next assignment and then to Guadalcanal in the Solomon Islands as member of D Company 1st Battalion, 7th Marines, 1st Marine Division. On October 24, 1942, during the Battle of Henderson Field, his unit came under attack by a regiment of about 3,000 soldiers from the Japanese Sendal Division, using machine guns, grenades, and mortars against the American heavy machine guns. Bassalone commanded two sectors of machine guns, which fought for the next two days until only Bassalone and two other Marines were left standing. As the battle went on, ammunition became critically low, despite their supply lines having been cut off by enemies who had infiltrated into the rear, Bassalone fought through hostile ground to resupply his heavy machine gunners with urgently needed supplies. Bassalone moved an extra gun into position and maintained continual fire against the incoming Japanese forces. He then repaired and manned another machine gun, holding the defense line until replacements arrived. When the last of the ammunition ran out, shortly before dawn on the second day, Bassalone used his pistol and a machete, held off the Japanese soldiers attacking his position. 
By the end of the engagement, Japanese forces opposite the Marine lines had been virtually annihilated. For his actions during the battle, Bassalone received the United States military's highest award for valor, the Medal of Honor. Afterwards, Private First Class Nash W. Phillips of Fayetteville, North Carolina, recalled from the battle for Guadalcanal. Bassalone, quote, Bassalone had a machine gun on the go for three days and nights without sleep, rest, or food. He was in the good emplacement, causing the Japanese lots of trouble, not only firing his machine gun, but also using his pistol, end of quote. In 1943, Bassalone returned to the United States and participated in war bond tours. His arrival was highly publicized, and his hometown held a parade in his honor when he returned. The homecoming parade occurred on Sunday, September 19th, and drew a huge crowd from thousands of people, including politicians, celebrities, and the national press. The parade made national news in Life Magazine and Fox Movie Town News. After the parade, Bassalone toured the country, raising money for the war effort and achieved celebrity status. Although he appreciated the admiration, he felt out of place and requested to return to the operating forces fighting the war. The Marine Corps denied his request and told him he was needed more on the home front. He was offered a commission, which he turned down and was later offered an assignment as an instructor, but refused this as well. When he requested again to return to the war, the, the request was approved. He left for Camp Pendleton, California for training on December 27th. On July 3rd, 1944, he re-enlisted in the Marine Corps. While stationed at Camp Pendleton, Bassalone met his future wife, Lena May Riggi, who was a sergeant in the Marine Corps Women's Reserve herself. They were married in St. Mary's Star of the Sea Church in Oceanside, California on July 10th, 1944, with a reception at the Carlsbad Hotel. After his request to return to the fleet was approved, Bassalone was assigned to C Company, 1st Battalion, 27th Marine Regiment, 5th Marine Division. On February 19, 1945, the first day of the invasion of Iwo Jima, he was serving as a machine gun section leader on Red Beach 2. While the Marines landed, the Japanese concentrated their fire at the incoming Marines from heavily fortified blockhouses staged throughout the island. With this unit pinned down, Bassalone made his way around the side of the Japanese position until he was directly on top of the blockhouse. He then attacked with grenades and demolitions, single-handedly destroying the entire strong point and its defending garrison. He then fought his way toward airfield number one and aided a marine tank that was trapped in an enemy minefield under intense mortar and artillery barrages. He guided the heavy vehicle over the hazardous terrain to safety despite heavy weapons fire from the Japanese. As he moved along the edge of the airfield, he was killed by a Japanese mortar shrapnel. Amber, let's see, uh, excuse me. Hugh Ambrose, the author of The Pacific, suggested that Bassalone was killed by a burst of small arms fire which hit him in the right groin and neck and nearly took off his left arm. His actions helped Marines penetrate the Japanese defense and get off the landing, the landing beach during the critical early stages of the invasion. Bassalone was posthumously awarded the Marine Corps' second highest decoration for valor, the Navy Cross, with, for extraordinary heroism during the Battle of Iwo Jima. Bassalone is interned in Arlington National Cemetery, 
his widow, Lena M. Bassalone, died in June 1999, age 86. And she is buried in Riverside National Cemetery in Riverside, California. Lena's obituary notes that she was never remarried and was buried still wearing her wedding wing to John Bassalone. Well, John Bassalone, thank you so much for your service. That is one of the uh, bravest stretches, really, of any military service I've ever heard of. Um, gunnery sergeant and just the, the amazing things that you did, not only in winning the Medal of Honor, earning the Medal of Honor first time, but then re-enlisting, going back into the field, marrying the love of your life and only really being married a, a very short time before you were then killed in action in Iwo Jima. So, Mr. Bassalone, uh, you're incredible. Guys, if you have not seen uh, The Pacific, uh, this is a reason enough to watch that miniseries in itself. Uh, just an incredible portrayal of Mr. Bassalone. And I encourage you guys to look up some more information on him. And, uh, it's, you know, the, at the very end of the, of his time in the show, they really portray the love story with him and his, uh, and his wife. Uh, just amazing stuff, powerful stuff. And it's hard to believe that some of this is real life. And, uh, John Bassalone, we salute you here at the Get Home Safe podcast. We know it is not possible, but if it were possible, we would love to sit down and have a beer with you. And we would definitely be buying not just the first round, but all the rounds. So, uh, thank you so much for your service. And again, you are one of many people that we want to continue to talk about here on Fridays in our segment, Suds with Studs. Okay, joining us today is Monica Bajorquez, a member of the class of 2004 from Rio Hondo Prep and a two-time CIF champion in volleyball in 2002 and 2003. Uh, she was the class directly below me, one year younger. Uh, her and her twin brother, Maynard Bajorquez, were proud members of that class, and I played a lot of sports with her brother, uh, Maynard. Monica is... Uh, was one of the best athletes that Rio ever had. She's going to talk to us about her days at Rio, at Rio Hondo Prep, playing sports, growing up in Care Youth League, and also tell us a little bit about her current job working as an ER trauma nurse. We got a lot to talk about, a lot to catch up on. Monica Bojarquez, welcome to the program. Hello, hello. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Oh, of course, of course. You know, Monica, I kept getting... Uh, told by people, hey, you got to have more, uh, you got to have more females on, more women on. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Reach out to a few friends and uh, see what we can do. But uh, we had Ginger uh, Demers, with, uh, formerly Ginger Lunny on recently. And uh, I think we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. So you're going to kind of lead the way for us here. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No, not a, listen, you're an ER trauma nurse. There can't be any, uh, this isn't any oh, pressure no, yeah. here. <laughs> Come on now. There we go. Uh, well, well, Monica, I had your brother on pretty early. Um, West Point graduate, Maynard Bajorquez. Uh, he was a lot of fun to talk to. I know he listens to this show a lot. He probably has nothing better to do, the poor guy. Uh, but anyway, he tunes in a lot. I told him, hey, we're getting Monica on. Uh, I'm sure he'll be tuning in. But I mean, what was it like really in growing up with a twin brother? Not just a twin, but a twin brother. I mean, uh, n none of us can relate to that. So tell us about what it was like growing up with Maynard. Oh, man. He was almost the exact opposite of me as a kid. Oh, outgoing, very 
active. I mean, I was the lazy one as a kid, <laughs> but having him as a twin, it just, when we got older, obviously we were very competitive, always comparing um, who was going to do it better, who was going to complete it, who was going to get the better grades. So it was, it was a challenge. There's, you know, pros and cons. He was always my guardian too. He was the good twin. I was the bad twin. <laughs> Learned that real quick. <laughs> but uh, it was enjoyable. And I obviously love him to death. Um, so uh, it, it pushed me to be a better person, to be what I am now. And I think by versa for him, uh, we can never sit down. We, can, we always wanted to be better and, you know, still grow even now in our, gosh, in our mid thirties. <laughs> can, can you believe saying those words that we're all in our mid thirties now? Yeah. I wish I could say when I grow up, but I'm already grown up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel you. I feel you there. This is ridiculous. I'm like, wait a minute. No, we're supposed to be uh, in our early twenties forever. Like what yeah. is this? Yeah. I mean, you, you look back and I graduated in 03, you, you in 02. I mean, I'm 17 or excuse me, 04, yeah. 17, 16 years ago. I just, I, I can't even put that into words really what it feels like. Just, oh man, it's been such a long time, but, but we all had good times in high school. Um, you know, our, our kind of, our classes kind of, uh, you know, coexisted, we'll say at times, yeah. but uh, no, it, it was a, it was a fun group. I mean, your class, our class, like I said, um, some, some really good times. And Maynard was a, Maynard was a great teammate. He, he was just, I, I can imagine the brother he was because he was an incredible teammate. He'd do anything for his teammates and his buddies. And, uh, you know, I think that's just has a lot to do with his last name, the Bajorquez family, kind of that way. So, so you mentioned the good twin and bad twin. So let me ask you, did, was kind of Maynard held more responsible with things? Is it like, Hey, don't let your, you know, sister gets in trouble. Oh, Maynard, it's your fault. Was, was that what you kind of meant oh, by all that? In Rio, definitely. He was <laughs> my guardian angel, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, back in those good old days, Rio had very strict rules and um, inside and outside of school. And he was all, all about that. Just, he loves the whole regulations and following policies and all that. And, <laughs> and it was not just to follow it, but it was more because if we did get in trouble, the, obviously the punishment is not playing, you know, games. So for us, it was huge. We didn't want to, you know, let our team down. And obviously <laughs> he didn't want that on his shoulder that all oh, his sisters, <laughs> <laughs> the troublemaker so but um there were meant to be for you know bigger things in life these you know strict rules that we had it was just to guide us for you know but we didn't see it that way yeah. we like i wanted to listen to k-rock i want <laughs> <laughs> you know power and all that but yeah, yeah. We're, we're teenagers and you know what if we're honest yeah. at, at rio yeah you, there were some stricter policies and it's you know, they're doing the best they can and yeah. you don't have to agree with everything that happened, obviously. Right. And, but, but I think it's much like kind of our parents when we're growing up, like, I think it's good for all of us to get in trouble a little bit. And yeah. I think, I think that's, that's how we learn things too. So, mm -hmm. but you know what, you guys, you and Maynard were both leaders. Cause if I remember correctly, I was out of high school, but uh, Maynard was the school president at one point, yeah. And then you also were the school president at one point. Yeah. Um, Bajorquez, 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 man alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be that too. <laughs> so, but I mean, that's how we were. We grew up being, well, if he can do it, shoot, maybe I can do it mm-hmm. or vice versa. Or, you know, maybe I can top it on something else. See if I can like distance myself from him, but no, sure enough, we're both just going at it. And I think it was nice just him handing the, off the responsibility and being like, oh, shoot, now I have to be a good influence. <laughs> and <laughs> now people are looking up and be like, well, she, I, I have to change the way I think, you know, my views and be a better person. So it's good. It's a little challenging. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you're, you're definitely under the microscope. And yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I was president my senior yeah and then that's right Maynard was right after me and then I think you were right after him so we were kind of all in succession there uh but no it was it was a good experience I mean you're not making any big policies or anything but but you're it's like being a team captain but of a whole school you know um so it was it was a good time and yeah I'm trying to remember I don't know that there's been another sibling back-to-back presidency in Rio Hondo history so who knows we'll have to look that up sometime (laughs) well Monica talk talk to me about your early days you and Maynard uh, were members of the Tigers in Cary Youth League. And yeah. how, how did that all start? Uh, did you guys uh, just get a, a flyer one day for Cary Youth League? When do you remember starting? So we both, we obviously grew up in Covina, and that's the Tiger District. And um, we were just heading to the park just to play. And we didn't know this whole Cary Youth League sports program. The, I believe the guys were playing soccer. And my dad's like, oh, this is a great opportunity. They start really young. They grow. They play all these sports. It, had, it, had, it happened to be soccer season. And, and back in the days, I um, guess girls couldn't play soccer. That was a, more of a men's sport. So they, put, they joined him in. And I'm sitting on the sideline. And I wasn't that much of a, t- a tomboy. I was always wearing dresses and jelly sandals. And I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. And I was like, I kind of want to join they're like oh you gotta wait a little bit so yeah I think softball season for our t-ball and obviously I gotta get rid of those sandals and and dress and I was like all right let's get this going so sure enough I just hit it naturally um I was like oh shoot I'm actually a little bit of I'm kind of good at this and that's when everything just turned upside down (laughs) and got you know very competitive and uh, the sports just grew really like into a big deal and then my parents were like maybe we got something here too (laughs) (laughs) oh that's outstanding well let me ask you this about you know you kind of touched on it there a little bit but like I I think it's great that girls play sports Uh, Mm -hmm. I I think there's there's almost like this I, I don't know if it's this just a lot of girls aren't interested in playing sports or if they just, I mean, you grew up playing with, with all these girls in care youth league. And I know that the girls program somewhat kind of tries to balance out different things and do other things outside of sports. Were you a, were you a girl that just kind of, it's like, I don't want to do these crafts. I want to play sports. Let's keep playing ball. And what was it like kind of amongst your peers? Were there girls that way as well? Or was it kind of like, uh, no, I'm doing this, but I'm not really that interested. Yeah, so it looking back, Cary Youth League boys and girls sports program had different visions for the their, the genders. I guess I can say mm-hmm. um, 
guys, obviously it was all about sports, champions, um, you know, being the best. Girls had a different theory to look at it and they were more of home ex, let's do cooking, you know, activities, crafts. Um, let's also talk about like, you know, taking care of kids and sports program was more of a back end of a thing. And I was like, what the heck? I, cause I know back Covina, um, the girls tiger program was actually really, really, um, amazing. We didn't have as many like athletes there, but we all sort of were really cohesive. You know, we played each other's, you know, weakness and strains. We had back in the days, Allison, Brooke, Shauna, uh, we had Emma. We had some tall tree girls that we know were not, not that coordinated, but if you put them in basketball as the blockers, as the, you know, we just use everybody. And so we were, I mean, shoot, we won champions, you know, left and right. Holy cow. Everybody hated us, but <laughs> You know, Mrs. Horton, I remember it was Melissa. We had some good coaches and they're like, I think we have a team here. I think this will work. But their their vision was so sidetracked about sports programs that everybody had to play. Like that was a rule. Um, and, and we hated that. And, you know, we had 30 minutes just to practice. And the other 30 minutes was to do activities. And I was like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? We're wasting our time. We need to start you know, practicing her free throws. But I think that's how it was in this girls sports program that that wasn't part of what we needed to build on the teamwork, you know, sacrifices and, you know, determination, motivation. It was more of like, all right, girls, let's sew. You know, it was just, <laughs> what are we going to do with this? <laughs> we got a game to win. What are you? Uh, yeah. oh, I love it. Oh, I love it, Monica. That's outstanding. Hey, who who were uh, who were some of your coaches uh, in your young days throughout Cary Youth League? So I know it was Crystal, Miss Crystal. Sorry, I know them all from like first names. Yeah, Crystal uh, Hampton. Yeah. Okay. Crystal Hampton, uh, Melissa uh, Carson, mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Horton. Um, shoot, I don't know. <laughs> it's been a long time it was, you say mrs horton was that christina horton yeah christina oh horton. okay yeah our english teacher our uh, literature teacher yeah that's yeah. right yeah well i you know she was a carson and uh yeah. obviously melissa was a carson uh you know i know the the carson men have really had a huge impact on yeah. so many young men in high school and junior high and everything mm-hmm. so it's interesting to see that some of the coaching really, it's in the blood, you know, the, the, yes. the Carson women there sounded like they directed you guys pretty well over the years. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's great stuff. Well, well, Monica sounded like you had some, some great years in Cure Youth League and experience mm-hmm. there minus, you know, the sewing and cooking, which you weren't so far, <laughs> so fired up about, but uh, you eventually, you and Maynard uh, ended up at Rio Hondo Prep. And what was that experience like in going to Rio in, in junior high and kind of taking this Cure Youth League and then taking it into a school, really? I mean, was it kind of a, was it a, a, an adjustment? Was it weird? What were your thoughts on a, your early days at Rio Hondo Prep? So, I mean, we even started the whole Pearl program when they oh, just really? opened up. We were there too. Oh, awesome. Um, 
So the one of the reasons why we actually joined Rio is that obviously Care Youth League would, played a huge role and we wanted to stay with our friends. And so they threw that out there like, hey, you're gonna grow up with your friends, still play all the sports. Uh, it's gonna be a private Christian school. So they're getting you know, good education. They'll be in good hands. And so my parents, you know, they bought the whole idea. They're like, well, this sounds great. Um, and so, man, I was all in it. I was like, I'm going to see Allison, Brooke. I see all these, you know, my girlfriends. I was like, all right, shoot, sign me up. And yeah, I mean, I love the whole Rio sports program. Knowing that I can play all the sports, I was like, sign me up. I don't have to really, you know go out there and, you know, hustle and trying to make a team. Um, and so, and at the same time, you start coaching kids too down the line, which I thought that was nice, you know, returning the favor back to, um, to the kids that I, you know, obviously learned from. So I was like, this is, you know, sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Good balance <laughs> of everything. Yeah. Now being the hardcore, like sports girl that you were growing up, was it, was that a lot of fun for you to not just play sports, but to also be coaching kids? Did Some people don't embrace that. They're like, I got to do this, but I'm not that into it. But did you really enjoy working with children? I did. I, yeah. I saw it as an opportunity to give back to what I learned. And there's a different appreciation on coaches that do this, um, even for the long run. Because, uh, shoot, you need a lot of patience, especially with younger <laughs> kids. Um, and it builds up your character because you realize that you have to talk to them in a different way. You got to, you know, be at eye level, um, sort of relate to where they're seeing things because, you know, you're talking to a six-year-old instead of a <laughs> our age. So, um, but at the same time, it, it makes you, you know, sort of prepare yourself for having a family. So, um, I liked it. I liked the whole sports. Cheerleading was different. I felt so uncomfortable <laughs> being a cheerleading coach. And so I was like, hopefully football season ends real quick on that part. But it's nice because even your, the parents, they appreciate that, that you're trying your best to have these girls, you know, back in the days, grow and, and be better. And you see the improvement and you're like, shoot, I, I made a difference mm -hmm. in their lives. And it's not just sports itself. Back in the days, it used to be um, talking about, um, you know, Jesus and Christianity. And you can see that some people relate and some people struggle. And um, you sort of have to um, open up their minds and see the bigger picture. And it was nice. It was comforting knowing that we made a difference back in the days and that's probably one of the reasons why I still enjoy serving other people. It's just, there's some sort of gratitude and I don't know, a reward seeing that. Oh, that's well said. I think, I think it's one of the best things Rio Hondo prep does is have their students in high school coach uh, younger kids. Cause as mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, maybe like with the, you know, when you have, when you're the student body president, you know, you have this responsibility. I think it's, it's really good for high school age kids to have that responsibility to yeah. uh, be an example, like you said, and then uh, you taking those, like you just said, you taking those experiences now into your current line of work, mm -hmm. you know, it's invaluable really for uh, someone at that age. 
Um, well, well, you guys go to high school, and uh, you and Maynard, of course, both. And let me ask you this: You got after okay, you guys played some sports, right, through youth, and now in high school, yeah. and you guys are all you know we're all adults now. Uh, who's the more competitive person, you or Maynard, or is it a tie? I think we're, it's a tie. <laughs> I don't think it's getting any better or worse <laughs> in anything. You pl- board games, video games. I can kick his butt on that for sure. But even we went paintballing and it was just like game on, like who has the most paint on themselves? Like it's, it's still horrible even to this day. Um, even if it's not sports things related, it's just, it's, I mean, it's healthy, but not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. I got you there. Competition. It's, it's hard to wash off that competitiveness. Yeah. I mean, it's just you grow up with it, you have it in your body and your soul. And it's like, uh, you know, it's hard to be done with it, but it also helps, you know, fuel us with things. I was just curious. I was just curious, you know, yeah. um, I am a little bit better of like, if I lose, I'm not going to like put a fit or something, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not going to cry about it. I used to be very emotional back in high school and just take it on other people. So I, that I sure I'm getting better. He's been very, you know, well on that. Has some sort of control. <laughs> oh man, no, I, a hey, preaching the choir here. I, uh, I know what that's like. I, I was rather violent at times. Uh, <laughs> anyway, well, Monica, you, you go to high school, and we, we talked about what a great athlete you were. You played four years of varsity sports, all three sports, uh, freshman year on, uh, which is not something many people do, male or female. So. For you to do that uh, is pretty impressive. And I know, I think a couple of your other classmates did as well. Just a very talented group of people. I mean, what, what, what was your mindset? You go from eighth grade to the very next year playing varsity sports. I mean, and every sport. I mean, did you not think anything of it? Or was it like, oh, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this? Yeah, so it was never our intention, Alice and Courtney, to just walk in and be like, I want to play in the varsity level. I think it took a couple, uh, I think it was basketball. Usually it's the first sport um, fall. We were just playing JV and we looked around like when the, the varsity starts playing basketball and warming up, we're like, do I think we got this? Like, I think we have that already that the, the potential and, and we were, I think we're at that level not being cocky, but it's just like JV was not pushing us enough to be better at it. I think we're like, dude, I think we're better than this. And it did take a lot of like people agreeing and seeing our talent. Um, and so we had to do a tryout, but I remember, shoot, back in the day when I was a freshman, it was Brenda Castaneda and she was, that's her senior year. I think Erica, Jamie, oh, so Brenda was junior year, and then yeah. Jamie and um, Erica, they, they were there, and they looked at us like, obviously, these girls are taller than me, like, who is this little midget telling <laughs> us that she can play varsity, but yeah, and I, we sure enough, we, we proved them wrong, and it was not like we, we were always hungry, and that's the thing, um, and Every sport, we were like, we got this, we got this, you know, let's just prove them wrong. And if not, then what's the worst thing to happen? Playing JV, like, we're eventually going to get there. But yeah. 
my brother's like, dude, you need to just practice, go out, you know, after school, push yourself. My dad's same way. We always had a, a hoop in our back in our front yard. And he's like, just get better at it. And I'm like, all right, I, I kind of see, you know, if this can be not a career, but <laughs> something <laughs> out of it. So yeah. Make the most out of your four years. So, yeah. so, so it sounds like maybe, you know, cause you got to imagine, like think when you're a senior and freshmen are coming in yeah. and you're like, wait a minute, who, who are you guys? So you, it sounds like they were a little skeptical early, but yeah. it took a little convincing. And then they realized, okay, these girls can play and you guys weren't like arrogant or cocky or anything. Yeah. You guys were just pretty talented and worked hard. Yeah. We just wanted to offer what we had, you know, on the table to them and be like, dude, we, I think we have something that you guys need. And um, obviously we'll grow, get better at it. Um, but just let us do what we do best. And, and it was, <laughs> you know, it was, and I think it was volleyball too. I can, we can hear them always crying about it. Like, why you have them here? They're taking other people's positions, but they weren't seeing the bigger picture. It's like, mm-hmm. if you want to thrive and win and, you know, and it obviously down the road, you realize that we won a couple CIF. It's not like we were doing it just to rattle their shape, you know, their cage. They were just, <laughs> We wanted to win. <laughs> oh, that's great stuff to hear. Uh, you know, again, um, boy sports, girl sports, doesn't matter. Competition's competition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sports are sports. And, and it's really cool that you guys did play so well. You, Courtney Quarter, Allison Ozaki, mm-hmm. uh, three really good athletes that played ball uh, from freshman year on. And, and I know you won a couple of CAF volleyball championships mm-hmm. uh your junior year and senior year the first in rio history by the mm-hmm. mind you uh but let me ask you real, real quick real quick about each sport volleyball basketball softball which would you say is your was your favorite or did they all kind of blend together well basketball by far was my sport um uh playing point guard i think i rely on other girls to um you know pick up their pace or you do their part as a team. You, there is no I in the team, especially in basketball. You need everybody's, you know, a hundred percent commitment and shoot. That was a struggle at Rio. No girl wanted to run. And like, <laughs> what was their motivations running to Seven Eleven? That was their motivation and walking back down with the Slurpee in their hand and bag of chips. It was horrible. That's how you get our girls to run. <laughs> And, um, man, I hated that. You know, I was always playing 100% in every sport. And I, I threatened them. Like, if you guys don't give your, your part in basketball, I'm not playing volleyball because I hated volleyball. That was not my sport, you know. And they're like, no, we'll try, we'll try. And I was like, oh. And I, when I realized they had Mr. Parker as their coach when I left, oh, I was like, felt like I could have just cried because he just had a vision mm-hmm. seeing, you know, when he was playing a JV coach and I was like, gosh, I wish I had him as my coach because he would have put a fire, you know, on these girls, but not to just, but I think the motivation, he was just that guy that would just pick up, you know, any player and see the potential. And he did it in a different way that I thought, yeah, oh God, that it would have been amazing to see as, as me playing in, in high school, I thought we would have gone so much further, but basketball was my thing. I just love playing that sport. Um, I remember when, 
when my brother was in JV and they had them guard us in varsity as a practice and they would just push us and he, man, my brother would not let me down. He guarded me. He requested me and I almost cried because that guy would just, you know, manhandle me. And I'm like, bro, I get it. Like you're stronger, but he's like, I'm just trying to make you better. And I'm like, I've got bruises and cuts and I'm like, I see blood, but basketball, because it, it, you can see the growth on that. And Denise, she didn't know she can shoot. And I was like, girl, you got something going. Like you got to believe in yourself. Like, that's right. Yeah. Like in Allison with her ball handling skills and we had some tall girls and I was like, Oh my gosh, we have it. It's just no one wants to run. And that's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was funny. You know, I always remember the start of the school year you know, the boys be playing football, conditioning, this and that, and the girls would be playing volleyball. And yeah, they all like volleyball and and basketball season came on. And I got to tell you this, watching girls basketball in high school was funny because (laughs) girls, they, they do not like like the physicality of it either. They they get bumped or pushed down. I mean, the, the facial expressions you'd see from some of the girls. We are just so emotionally unstable in that age. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember like, woo, and girls with beats on their hair just so they can like hit us with them. I mean, you, yeah, we were just, I think the emotion just got the best of us. And I remember Courtney always, almost, almost every game will get fouled out because she's just her, she just got so, she just had it. She's like, well, screw it. I'm just going to start pushing people and foul out and sit down. I don't, you know, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> like, so it was something. <laughs> oh, that is that is great stuff. This is this is so much fun. <laughs> Remember this stuff. Well, well, tell me about your couple of CIF volleyball championships you guys yeah. won. Um, I remember the first one like it was yesterday because it happened to be the day after we lost in the first round of the CIF football playoffs, my very first year. So I was not in a good mood. Yeah. We, had to, we had to go watch the girls play in the finals and we were pulling for you. But I was like, man, I'm never going to play football again. And, uh, but, but we were so happy for you guys because you guys, you got in the playoffs and you kind of just made this run. And uh, what was that first CIF championship like? Did you guys know you're going to win? Was it, I mean, everyone's confident they're going to win, but at what point did it, did it all sink in or did it take kind of the, that last time the ball hit the ground uh, for it to really sink in that you guys won it all? Yeah. I mean, we were the, I think our junior year, we were just very consistent throughout the whole season. We didn't have our ups or down. Um, we, I didn't know we even made it to the playoffs until like Mrs. Parker is like, dude, we made it to the playoffs. We have enough wins. And so I was like, well, shoot, let's make the best of this. And um, man, we took it as one game at a time. And we didn't, I, Obviously, anybody's goal was to win, but for us, it's just taking it one team at a time because I thought we thought that whole winning a CIFS was out of our reach of hand. Like, well, well, well let's, uh, we don't know about these people. We like, we can do our best and that's all we can, you know, do. And, and, and so we started winning sets and games and teams and we're like, maybe we do have a chance. Are we that, are we this good? <laughs> Like, but yeah, and our first, yeah, our first one of, you know, championship, I was in disbelief. I was like, dude, I, we did it. 
Like there is no way that we just won our first ever volleyball and then we can finally have our name on the banner. Cause I know for, for, especially for you guys, football, I mean, it is expected to win your CIA. Like you had that pressure going in and ours was more of, well, let's just take this one game at a time. Like, you know, we made it to the playoffs. Like that's a big thing. Like, so what's next? Oh, okay. CIF. But can we, if we don't win, at least we made it to the playoffs. Like we were pretty comfortable is we'd be like, all right, we did our, you know, the best, but yeah, winning that shoot, um, it was a disbelief. We, um, it was nice knowing that winning a different championship with different girls from coming from the different cities and from Gators Cardinals and all combining together and winning was I think a bigger deal because we all at one point hated each other as kids and so we you know put that aside and man we made it happen and it was nice it was yeah memorable Oh, that's uh, so cool. Uh, Cypress College, I believe, was the site. And I don't remember who you guys played, quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever. They, they lost. We don't need to talk about them. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> anyway, the very next year, you guys came back. Now, now you talked about really not having expectations beforehand mm-hmm. um, in as far as sports or, or volleyball specifically here. But, but once you win a CIF championship your junior year, now going into your senior year, do you have those expectations saying, hey, we did this last year, let's do it again? We did. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did. And um, we had to push ourselves obviously a little bit harder. And so we tried summer to play, you know, go on the weights in your guys' weights gym area that didn't last that long I think in 10 minutes we're like oh this is good enough but I mean we've tried to betting you know get in a better shape um have a better mentality how to go around this um push yourself a little bit harder I think it's knowing what we did last year um give us a vision to have a better attitude uh, work harder you know help each other out. I think a lot of us, and we had that pressure on our, on our shoulders that people expected us to win again. And so um, it was nice knowing that we had some sort of fire going in and, and hopefully not let people down. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys did it. You did it again. And uh, man, it seemed like you guys were even better that senior year, mm-hmm. just cruising through everybody and, and, and beating them up. So uh, just really, really cool that, uh, you know, Rio, we didn't win just one, one but two in a row uh, CIF championships, uh, courtesy of Monica Bajorquez and her senior class, we'll say. Uh, you know, the, the girls in my class, uh, you know, some, some uh, good, good, Alicia Lammers, good athlete. She, yeah. she played volleyball really well. Uh, you know, everyone else kind of involved. It was just really cool to see like, man, this is awesome that the girls are, are playing some good, uh, good ball. And it got us fired up. We get to go watch you guys and, and, you know, kind of be lunatics in the stands and everything. So it's always fun for the boys too, to watch the girls do well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember my freshman year or Lord. Yeah. Freshman year and sophomore, not having that many people in the stands. And so knowing that we had to, you know, be better uh, and looking back in our senior year and the entire pavilion uh, or the bird cage stadium, <laughs> Uh, it was all packed so it was it was amazing what we little we have to do but at the same time we did so much and people realizing what talent we had and 
it was very comforting that we, you know, we had fans and it was nice knowing that they had our backs to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, any look at anytime Rio Hondo hangs a banner. I think it's wonderful. And yeah. and yeah, that old pavilion, American Savings Pavilion, no doors, just uh, curtains with mm-hmm. Velcro, like a big tent. I mean, I don't know, home court advantage, maybe. Who knows? Uh, you know. But the the gym there now is pretty nice. But yeah, nothing quite like that old pavilion. <laughs> uh, well, kind of last thing on high school, Monica. Tell me about some of your coaches, some of the coaches um, that you had that really had an impact and kind of why they, why they stood out to you? Why do you still kind of take some of the lessons they taught you over the years into your adulthood today? Yeah. So a lot of um, influence, shoot, back in my days, I know Care Youth League, it was Christina Horton just being very passionate, compassionate with us. Um, We were a very loud crowd as (laughs) Tigers. We had a lot of different, um, ethnicity so we had some hispanics we had we were just everywhere and she was you know trying her best to come you know put us all you know in one spot calm us down because we just had a lot of energy um but she tried her her best to have everybody play give a chance opportunity to you know um see their strength and have their weakness be their strength by, you know, repetition. I know in middle, in junior high, I don't even remember who my coaches were in junior high, but in high school, um, I had Mr. and Mrs. Horton. Um, They did basketball. Um, And I know Mr. Horton um, tried his best to, be have me have a little more patience (laughs) and uh, it was hard we both butted heads because um I knew the potentials that the girls had because he obviously didn't know the girls as well as I did when I grew up with these girls when they were only six or seven years old so my frustration and he was always like you need to just come down relax he was so a little more passive but man, that just made it worse for me. But I knew what down the road now seeing what, you know, just have to be more um, patient. And I didn't have that as a kid. I, and it was hard. Yeah. Ultra <laughs> it, competitive. It, it, yeah. So, um, but my biggest one was my, my brother, my brother, my mom, my mom was my side coach. When I was shoot free throw, she would, talk to me in Spanish, give me the tips and hints, uh, talk to the referee. She was good about talking to referees and getting me in trouble. But <laughs> my, my biggest coach is my brother. Um, he knew me inside and out, um, never satisfied. He was always wanting me to be more and more hungry. And that's what I love about him. He just knew, he just had a, a different vision and um, he pushed me every, every Till now, he still does that. So um, I believe he's the one who is my coach Bombay. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome stuff. I love it. Well, uh, you know, what what are your thoughts on uh, you know Maynard? Yeah, maybe one day you'll get to uh, be be coach Monica to uh, to his son there. Uh, yeah. You know, what's that like being an aunt? Oh, it's a blessing in the sky. Um, that kid is so much, he has so much energy and 
happy little get-goer. I mean, little Milo, I, I wish they just lived right next to me so I could just take him to parks and, you know, show him the, the ropes. Um, I see that he's going to be just like my brother and I. He's just, there's something about him. He just can't stay still. And um, yeah, I mean, my goal is to make him be better than both of us combined. I mean, no pressure from him. And I know my brother's wife knows that, oh, she's in trouble. She's going to have to put him in also in karate too. Like we just, that's, that's us. Like we just don't settle down. And so seeing little Bohorkas, I'm like, yes, this guy <laughs> is going to be more. And, and then we expect a lot for, and you know, he's just, <laughs> he's only not even, you know, he's only a year old. And so I'm like, all right, but the pressure's on when Let's you get turn, it going. You, yeah, there's no messing around. You know, we're going to early retirement. No, <laughs> awesome stuff. Well, uh, let's talk about life after high school, Monica. Um, we we kind of mentioned that you're an ER trauma nurse. Did you know right after high school uh, what direction you wanted to go? And were there, if so, were there kind of bumps along the road and maybe some adjustments made? What what ultimately decision did you kind of make after high school to end up kind of where you're at now? So I knew I wanted to be in healthcare settings, more of a doctor, pediatric doctor. That um was my vision initially i did volunteer at the methodist hospital in the er just to see what i was getting myself into you know you watch these grace anatomies and all these shows and you're like oh this seems interesting but um my mom got in a car accident when i was nine and i saw the home health nurse taking care of her and i was like i think this is what i kind of want to do in my life so volunteering just gives me a different perspective of what goes around in there. And I, my Adrian Royal was the, I think, charge nurse. And she showed me around and she's like, listen, and she told me the pros and cons about a doctor. And this is what a nurse does, you know, three times a week, you have a social life, you're happier. Uh, there's a better balance. And um, yeah, being there six months, I was like, yeah, I think a nurse sounds just about right for me yeah and yeah sure enough that's where I'm at now and I'm happy that I made that decision now when you made that decision um obviously you know you ended up going to Chafee College and University of Jacksonville online you were telling me mm -hmm. but did you have to did you have to go into a specific uh, type of nursing did you know I mean ER emergency room trauma seems pretty like some pretty heavy stuff so did you kind of know you wanted to go into that intense of a field I just love the adrenaline I um, I have like I swear I think I have ADHD I just can't sit down and just play around with my fingers and I know and in the nursing program what's nice about that that you get a little taste of everything labor and delivery um psychiatric, uh, telemetry, pediatric, the whole shabam. So I see you in ER and I'm like, this is, this is where I need to go. This is, you know, it's going to push me. You never know what's going to come through those doors. But I told myself, well, I just not going to go in there as a newbie. I think I will just drown. I'd rather get my feet wet. So I did some adult telemetry and for two and a half years and then I transferred down to the ER. 
uh, trauma and level one trauma center. And that's my calling. I just love that I can work with any ages from, you know, infants all the way to, you know, geriatrics and shoot, being in San Bernardino, it is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta say, you probably see it all. Uh, You know, it was about a month and a half ago where I talked to John Collins, who was the class, uh, a couple classes below you, I think, in, in my brother's class. And He's a, he's a doctor now and he's out in Detroit in the emergency room. And, you know, one of the things he said that I kind of, kind of heard in your voice there is he really embraces that, that adversity, that, that craziness. Like there is a, uh, there is an intensity to it. And I mean, it sounds like you're prepared for anything. I mean, in talking to you about sports and everything, I mean, sports is not life or death, like what you're dealing with, but it's like this just this ultra um, intense situation that I'm sure isn't for everybody. Have you worked with people that are like, uh, I can't handle this? Yeah, we've had people, we precepted or transferred new grads or other people from um, other cities come in because, you know, working at Loma Linda, we're known for trauma, but also for heart attacks and strokes. But it's not just dealing with that, it's dealing with the people too. You know, we have some interesting San Bernardino uh, peeps and (laughs) putting that on on top of everything else, yeah, we have people just not make it through. And it's just a different environment uh, when you're in it, that the pressure, the intensity, um, the expectations, you have to hustle. There's little to no room of errors and it's easier said than done until you're in it and you're like, uh, uh, yeah, this is not for me. This is not what I signed up for. <laughs> Definitely. And, and so let me ask you this is kind of like a sports analogy when, mm-hmm. you know, in sports, you put all this time and you practice, you train, um, you, you study even, I mean, in, in real life, in your job, you've put in all this time in, in, uh, in your education, uh, all these different, I'm sure like, what would you call them drills maybe and, and mm-hmm. preparing you for what you're going to see. But is it one of those things where really you prepare, you're not sure what you're getting into. You really can't truly appreciate what you're getting into until you actually have kind of like a, a real life, a game situation. You know what I'm kind of saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, even with this whole, like with my career, you just can't settle. There's always, there was, there's always growth that you need to, um, you need to do. We have all these different certifications. Um, yeah, we have drills. We have, uh, we practice. We have skills. You know, interventions that we have to make sure that we're always upholding and up to our standards. And it's the same thing. You know, it's all about repetitive, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's all related to sports. Um, because, you know, every year, even in high school, you, I always get more, more and more hungry. I'm, I never am satisfied. I'd rather, you know, at the games be like, I want to make, you know, shoot more than 20 points today or averaging, like, you're always trying to push yourself. And, um, and the same thing with our careers, like, I go to conferences and all that just to better myself because, um, the patients expect that, that when they go to our hospital, that they get, they're going to get the best care they're going to get. And you're going to have to make sure you bring that to them. And it's the same way with our sports that people expect already some of it 
uh, from you. And so you, the last thing you want to do is let them down or have, you know, not practice and, you know, realizing, shoot, I could have done better. So it, it relates one to another, um, I think. So, so you, were, you said you work at Loma Linda uh, University Medical University Center, Medical yeah. Center. And, and that is a level one trauma center, you were yeah. telling me? Mm -hmm. Wow. And yeah, San Bernardino being so close, that's not the, um, how do we say this uh, <laughs> good way? It's not the nicest of areas and there's a lot of crime and mm -hmm. violence, we'll say. Uh, so some crazy things. I just can't imagine how you go to work every day, Monica, and just like, yeah, I'm going to see something crazy. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm going to yeah. see something crazy and I'm ready for it. Uh, well, you know what, for, for you and everyone else in the medical field, I'm sure this has been a tricky year, a challenging year. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't, I don't think anyone could have ever, it, five years ago, if someone had said, okay, there's going to be this year 2020 where all these crazy things are going to happen. And uh, we wouldn't have believed them, but here we are. We're living it. We're living the year 2020, uh, COVID lockdown, all these, uh, this violence around the country. I mean, mm -hmm. without going into specifics of anything, just what has the year 2020 been for like for you and you know your 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 colleagues will say in the healthcare profession? It's been a challenging year to say the least, but we are blessed that we do have a job. I know mm -hmm. that we have I have friends and families that, especially with you know small businesses and all that, that have lost their jobs or lost um, more than just their jobs. Um, so I am blessed that. I'm still here and alive and, you know, healthy, uh, that I still have a roof under my head. Um, it's been challenging to say the least in regards to be happy about this whole, you know, pandemic, they say it is. Um, I know that we just have to just play along with the whole, you know, policies. And I know the biggest picture is to obviously take care of the seniors and all and, protect them from all of this um, virus that's going on. Um, but at the same time, I am closer to my family knowing that initially, obviously I couldn't see them, but um, have a better relationship knowing that, you know, they're still around, uh, talking to them, texting them, making sure they were okay. Even my brother um, will check on me just to make sure I'm you know, physically healthy and mentally okay with this whole um, year because as a nurse we have burnout left and right we've um, it's a struggle being happy to come to work knowing that we can get exposed to you know this whole know. Uh, COVID thing <laughs> mm -hmm. but I mean we we're making the best of it because um, we signed up for this you know it's like someone who's in the military knowing that you're going to go to war they signed up yeah. for this. And I think as a nurse, we, it's not like we knew that it was going to come around to this, but it happens every four years or so that we have this huge virus coming in and playing a role in our country. But, you know, we got to protect ourselves and be there for our patients. And that's what we signed up for. So we literally, you know, serve them and, um, put our lives last. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's been a weird year. <laughs> we got to be patient, but, you know, it will be, you know, subsiding soon. I hope. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and do you foresee yourself, you, you've been at, 
Loma Linda, I think you said nine years, yeah. um, uh, you know, here in Southern California where you reside, do, do you foresee uh, maybe some other opportunities down the road, maybe some other places, or are you just, are you just thrilled to be at Loma Linda and, and just have good experiences there? Have you kind of found a home or is, I, I don't know how the yeah. nursing field works. If you kind of oh, bounce around yeah. to places or not. Yeah. Um, I love, I mean, I, the, the only reason why I, I stay there is the colleagues, the people around there makes mm -hmm. the job a whole lot smoother and easier and a little more entertaining. Uh, it takes a different, I don't know, people to work in the ER because, you know, you got to have, be, have an adrenaline junkie, but at the same time, I don't know, we're all a little different <laughs> compared <laughs> to the other nurses. We just have something about us that sets us different. But yeah, I mean, I'm um, going to sheriff meetings to become hopefully down the road a flight nurse. Oh. So that's my ultimate goal and then just you know work per diem at Loma Linda um now what now what is a flight nurse so like you know see those helicopters doing like fire rescues when you have your pilot you have a nurse and a medic so um when you need them for hiking purposes when they get lost or is there a huge car accident in the freeway they have to lock it down and a helicopter can land there grab the patient and fly them to the closest trauma centers, or they do transfers between each hospitals. You need a nurse to go with you just to obviously monitor the patient. So it's something I've kind of, you know, always dreamed of. I always want to become going in the arm, army, but my brother told me no. <laughs> he, he, yeah, so that was a hard no on him. And my mom would have lost it. You know, she would have gone all cray cray. So having both her kids in the military, branch so um my next thing was obviously flight nursing will be the closest thing to that you sure love adrenaline monica let me yeah. tell you you <laughs> there's no boring days with you it sounds <laughs> like well outside of this work and this crazy yeah. world uh you know this this uh field of of work that you do um on your days off, what, what do you do for fun? I mean, what are some, you have any hobbies, anything that, or do after a tough week of work, do you just kind of want to space out by the pool and not do anything or kind of what are some of the things you do to keep your mind off of work or other distractions in the world? Yeah. Um, obviously CrossFit. I know people have their, <laughs> their say in regards to that's probably a different topic. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, that's one way to release stress. I, uh, before this whole COVID started uh traveled i traveled a lot of different places i think that's one thing about rio that i love is going to different countries states appreciate what you have at home but at the same time opening your eyes to different cultures people ethnicities traditions and um ever since the whole europe trip that i did in senior year in high school it just opened my mind like shoot i i still want to do this um travel and make this a part of hobby for me so yeah i've been to you know iceland ireland i've been to over 20 to 30 different countries just because first of all i love to eat so <laughs> i'm not picky about that who doesn't who doesn't oh <laughs> so, yeah that and um to gym just because i still like the competitive of it so i think that's one of the reason why i do crossfit um and then yeah i love the beach like who doesn't shoot just lay out there and just relax <laughs> and get away from everything and 
those are my hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, how is Ireland? I, I don't have really a deep desire to go to too many places because I've been mm-hmm. like all over, but that is a place uh, I do want to check out. I think, uh, what was the experience like there? Man, it's a party every single day after five or even sooner than that. I mean, these guys sounds have horrible. live music. It sounds <laughs> like you shouldn't go, but yeah, dude, it's, Live music every single day. They're go-getters. They love Americans. Um, the food is good. I mean, obviously, they're known for their beers and their meatloaf and pot roast and all that. Um, the The weather was amazing. Thank goodness, because it tends to rain a lot. But Dublin is, you know, it's Guinness is there. You have your whiskey distillery there. Jameson is there. Um, so I loved it. Yes. <laughs> very, very cool. Uh, well, well, kind of in closing, Monica, you know, you, you are a, uh, you're, you're a sports junkie, adrenaline junkie, you, you know, all of the above really. Uh, do you still kind of, I know you're busy, so you may not have the time, but do you still kind of take an interest into either professional or college sports? Do you have some teams maybe that you follow, maybe not die hard or anything, yeah. but yeah. What do you got for us? You're going to hate me. I think you know, too. I'm a Patriots fan. So when my boo went to Tampa, I had to call him. <laughs> how did this, how did this <laughs> I know who you're talking about. How did this Patriots fandom uh, begin? I must ask. Um, it started literally in high school. Um, oh, that's weird. Let's see. That was uh, right around. Yep. A few Super Bowls. I believe they were winning. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. I don't know. I mean, it kind of did. It's you know, helpful that the quarterback was good looking, but here's the thing. Patriots. He's Giselle's Monica. Giselle uh, owns him. I know. For but now. <laughs> here's the thing. NFL, all the team cheats. All right. It happened to be that they Patriots, you know, got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. You know that. Like, but what's amazing about the Patriots is you don't have to have all these first drafters. You don't have to have the best of the best. Um, Burkowski, I mean, he just made the team an amazing NFL champs. I mean, Tom Brady made their wide receivers what they are now. And mm-hmm. it's, you don't have to have the, the best talent, but if you know what they're good at, you know, what routes to go to, mm-hmm. what plays, what runs they need to do to establish to get first downs and all that. That's what made Patriots a, a good team. And that's what I love about them, that they grow so much. They can lose so many good players, but at the same time, following year, somehow they manage mm-hmm. to go back to the playoffs. And so that's why I love about Patriots. And I'm, now I know Cam Newton's there. So at least we have semi a runner as a quarterback he's looking good he's looking good so far you know first of all you should work for espn on on the side or you know <laughs> you've got some great analysis there i i absolutely dig it uh you're right i mean the, there is something to be said about the patriot way which i respect i think a lot of people get tired of them winning i love bill belichick i love that he's no nonsense that he he doesn't uh give the media any information he plays them like a fiddle and Brady's just Brady's the greatest and, and all the guys that have gone through the Patriots system. I mean, uh, you know, the, the Patriots beat the Rams in two different Super Bowls, So I'm a little bitter, but I not that much. That. I, I, I respect they're, they're an enemy that I respect. There's other enemies yeah. I do not. So, okay. Well, good for you. Are, what, what, who, let's see, who are you? Uh, what are you a Yankees fan and a, and a Dallas and a, and a, I know, right? No, I wasn't a Yankees fan, but I, I'm a Dodger fan. 
shoot, I'm from the hood. I'm from Long Beach, Linwood. So <laughs> I gotta be, a, I gotta be a Dodger fan. <laughs> no, I love them. I'm just, you know, I had Dodgers and then basketball. I don't have a team. I, I just watched you like it all. that last shot. So that was nice of him. Uh, Davis. Anthony Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Good shot the other night. But, uh, um, oh, good. Yeah. That's there you go. Well, what about what about any college? Do you like college sports at all? Do you do you follow that or oh, college yeah. football anything? I know you're gonna rub it in because you're used to be a Care Bear Bruin fan. Rub it in? Well, what do you mean rub Were it in? Were you in high school? Weren't you a Bruins fan? Hey, I was a lot of things in high school that I <laughs> that I changed. I mean, I think we all were a different person uh, in know. high school. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I could I can admit it. I I'll, I'll admit it. Growing up, yeah, I was a, a bigger UCLA fan, and then. Uh, light bulb went off and I was like, wait a minute. I don't like UCs. I don't like UC. You know, it's kind of when I started getting to college, I'm like, I'm a yeah. Cal state kind of guy. I'm not a UC yeah. kind of guy. And I was like, well, anyway, college, I like college sports. I love, uh, I love yeah. it all. No, that's, that's what I love about them because they have to, you know, play their best every single game. They're not getting paid. Well, most of the players are not getting paid, <laughs> um, but they have, you know, because they want to get drafted. So they, you know, mm-hmm. that's what it's amazing about their talents. It's just they thrive to do. And mm-hmm. man, some of the plays, they get flipped over and, you know, front flips and back flips, you name it. They've done it all. But that's what I love about college sports because um, if it's all or nothing for them. They, yeah. they, they have something to lose if they don't give it all. And that's what I don't like these professional, you know, teams as much now because it's all politics or I already got my money in my bank. I don't have to, you know, as long as I show up to the games, I, you know, yeah, I'm there and get paid, but that's what college USC was my team. It's my team. Um, I love having these huge Samoan guys be the line <laughs> defensive guys, you yeah. know, and, and um, I thrive on that. I know big fights at big tens. I don't know the Southerns, Alabama, all SEC, those teams. Yeah, yeah, man, they always are kicking up our butts for the oh, last yeah. ten years. Well, I'm just glad we have college football back because it was it was mm-hmm. kind of threatened there for a while. Uh, the Pac-12, they're dragging their feet. I mean, they're gonna have like an eight game season now. All this overreaction, in my opinion, but hey, it's here, it's back. I think it's going in a good direction. So, so we'll see. Well, Monica, I could talk sports with you absolutely all day. Uh, it's refreshing to to hear somebody who has a good head on their shoulders, uh, even though you know the whole Patriots thing, whatever. It's it's all good. Uh, but anyway, thank you for joining us today. It was so much fun catching up. Uh, man, uh, we'll have to get uh, get some more more people from your class or uh, you know my class. Get them on here. Just talk about the, uh, the early 2000s, some good times at Rio Hondo Prep. And I think you're doing great things uh, in the nursing and just congrats on everything. I mean, uh, oh, thank you too. Oh, well, thank you. It's a pleasure. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk soon. Hopefully we get out of this uh, lockdown thing and we can all have some uh, freedoms again to, to hang out with friends. Of course. <laughs> all right, Monica. Well, thank you so much. It was so much Bye. fun. Thank you, Monica Bajorquez, for coming on the program. That was a lot of fun catching up, talking some Real Hondo Prep sports. I love that stuff. Can't get enough of it. And for a lot of the Real Hondo Prep listeners out there, you guys love these stories and uh, always give me feedback about what it's like to talk about the good old days, right? And for a lot of us, those days are behind us. But you know what? They're fun to look back on. 
and all the memories and lessons we learned. So Monica, my best to you, the family and, and everything moving forward. I hope to talk to you again real soon. And just thank you so much for uh, coming on the program and sharing some memories with us. Good luck to you in the, in the ER uh, tra- trauma centers uh, as well. You, God bless you guys for all the work you do uh, in helping uh, keep people safe. And just we couldn't have uh, the wonderful country we have without uh, people like you in the medical field. So thank you to you and all of your colleagues. Well, guys, that will wrap up this week of shows. It's been so much fun. Great guests on the program. Again, if you did not listen to the opening segment I had here, some people skip ahead to get right to the interviews, and I totally get that. But if you have not had an opportunity to listen to the intro, go back, listen to a few words I had to say about some potential changes to the Get Home Safe podcast. Uh, I'm starting a new job, or I did on Thursday, actually, and in moving forward, Uh, My afternoons into the evenings are going to be a little more occupied, so I'm going to try to continue this podcast every day, but there could be some changes. It might go to a Monday, Wednesday, Friday format. I'm not totally sure yet. Uh, Bill Barnes will still be be here on Wednesdays. That's my goal anyway. And then with other segments, uh, other recordings, going to do what we can. Uh, But anyway, those are some changes uh, potentially to the Get Home Safe podcast. Keep your eyes and ears open for some changes on social media. Uh, there could be some changes in when episodes are released. They're generally released at 5 a.m. Um, on, on the days that we put out episodes, but that could also change. We might push that to noon so that we can do some work in the mornings. I don't know. Just brainstorming, letting you guys know, keeping you posted uh, so that if, if uh, you loyal listeners are like, hey, wh- what is this? Where's Matt? I'm like, yeah, I got some other things going on, uh, but I'm going to continue to do this because I love doing this podcast, talking to you guys, talking with you guys, and just putting out content that I think... Uh, uh, we can all appreciate uh, hearing from other people, uh, whether you guys are huge fans of the things that I have to say or not. Uh, you know, I'm going to continue to talk in this microphone and I hope to continue to get feedback from you guys and also some guest suggestions, some content suggestions. That's really what makes this show go. And I couldn't do it without you guys. Uh, in moving forward, if you have any content suggestions or questions, like I just mentioned, you know where to contact us. We have uh, many different social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. If you look at some of the links in the episode details, the episode notes or descriptions, you can see there's a link there to leave a voice message. You can do that if you so choose to have your voice heard on the Get Home Safe Podcast. It is a one minute limit, so have what you need to say ready to go. It'll warn you and everything when your time is running out, but that's a fun way to uh, chat here on the Get Home Safe podcast and have your voice heard. So if you don't want your voice heard, we totally get it. Send us an email, contact us through social media, whatever works best for you. We just want to have options there for you guys. And again, if we don't go to the Monday through Friday format like we've been doing for a few months, well, we will uh, we'll adjust accordingly and it's a work in progress. And just thank you all for your patience. There's some additional links in the episode notes for information about the podcast if you should so uh, check that out. But uh, guys, continue to look at social media for all the changes. Uh, There's going to be more here in the future, and I'm going to do my very best to communicate to you guys and keep you posted on the Get Home Safe podcast. Monica Bohorkas, thank you again. That was a blast. I hope you guys enjoyed the Friday weekly segment, Suds with Studs. I know I did. Uh, And guys, on the weekend here, be safe out there. There's a lot going on, a lot of... um, division and drama and all kinds of stuff but i think if we unite a little bit uh, in moving forward that things will get better and uh, i know that's that's my goal my prayer and uh, i just wish you all the best out there Uh, be safe 
uh, you know, embrace your family members and just uh, have a good time, but uh, always, always be safe. You just never know uh, what's out there, what, uh, you know, what we could run into. So guys, enjoy your weekend, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.